You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Hey guys, the SAG After Strike looks like it's finally over. I have a trippy sci-fi movie starring Paul Rudd that would make for a great episode. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania? No. Ghostbusters Afterlife? Greg, we did that last season. What the hell movie are you talking about then? Mute! What? What? It's a neo-noir film directed by the moon guy. It's a Netflix original. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing the 2018 Netflix original film, Mute. And we are joined uh, by my friend, Lena Anderson. Hello, that is me. I am Lena Anderson. Uh, and you're uh, not only one of my best and funniest friends, but you're also the Slugmaster Game Blaster uh, for a podcast that I am thrilled to participate with you uh, with on uh, Quantum Kickflip. That is true. It is an actual play podcast where we play the game Slug Blaster, designed by Edmonton's own darling Mikey Ham. Uh, it is a grand old time, and it is very, this season in particular, sci-fi cyberpunk. Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I wanted to, to bring you on. You are technically the most prolific uh, cyberpunk writer, world builder I know. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, That is wild to think about. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah this season's set in a cyberpunk dystopian. So uh, a natural choice when we decided we were going to do uh, Mute. We were talking about a couple sci- um, uh, cyberpunk-y, sci-fi-y kind of movies, and Scott suggested this one, so... Uh, Scott, explain yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was. I'm kidding. It, I'm kidding. It was a movie that got famously middling reviews, and that's yeah. kind of in our wheelhouse. Very much so. It this is actually prime for this podcast. It was. Uh, yeah, this was my not only my first time watching Mute, um, but it was my first time hearing of it. Uh, what was all y'all's experience in that regard? I mean, it was on my radar because I had I had heard of it. I like cyberpunk movies. Famously, they are like my kryptonite uh johnny mnemonic is one of my favorite films it is objectively terrible and i love it (laughs) um so like hearing that there was a crummy cyberpunk movie on netflix i was like i'm just looking for an excuse to watch it at this point and then you were like we want to do a cyberpunk film so my friend can come on and i was like boom i got one (laughs) right out of my back pocket i got this sick greg you said this is the second time you'd seen this yeah although it felt like the first time because <laughs> um, it is very forgettable. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Aaron and I had watched this when it was released in 2018. So, so we were because uh, you know I was I, I loved Moon and um, I I was excited to see what Duncan Jones was up to. Um, yeah, and uh, disappointed then and disappointed now. I guess. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, as for me, um, I had first heard of this movie when Liam sent me a message saying, hey, do you want to come on? I have some notes. We're going to watch Mute. Uh, I hear it's really bad, but it shouldn't be too gnarly because the thing about me is that my uh, threshold for violence is pretty low. Um, so thank you so much for making me watch this movie. Uh, to be fair, a good chunk of the climax I actually didn't watch. Uh, my husband watched. <laughs> thank goodness for him. <laughs> yeah, there's some violence in this movie. Yeah, There is some. The very first shot is like, oh, oh, is this what we're doing? Okay. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to ask. Uh, well, uh, perhaps our listeners have seen this, perhaps they haven't, but we'll get hit you with the details here. Uh, obviously directed by Duncan Jones of Moon and Warcraft fame, uh, written by someone named Michael Robert Johnson uh, and Duncan Jones. I get in the credits said story by Duncan Jones. Oh, yeah. Based on Duncan Jones says this is a spiritual sequel to Moon. Uh, the film's music composer, Clint Mansell, drew inspiration from works of German expressionism, such as Metropolis. Oh, that's a nice through line. Yeah, I just wanted to throw uh, that in because we had just finished talking about Dr. Caligari. That's yeah. sick. Also, I guess we should we should mention uh, this is also this movie's produced by none other than Netflix and Ted Serrano's. Hooray, the SAG after strike is over. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Not only is this a spiritual uh, sequel to Moon, it is technically an actual sequel to Moon. If you haven't seen Moon, watch it first or it will be spoiled for you. Go see Moon, people. It is a great movie. So good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny that like we after after the the, we had all finished watching the movie, we sort of discovered that um, it was uh, produced in America. Right. Like we had we had picked it. Because we thought it was a, a British production and that we could kind of like slide in there and still. Uh, Same reason we did hang, Shin Kamen Rider. Yeah. Like it's international. Yeah. Hang in with there with the, with the, the non-struck work. Um, then we were wrong. And then uh, literally yesterday, the strike <laughs> ended and we're like, hooray, we're still good. We're the saved. solved itself. Yeah. <laughs> what serendipity. <laughs> Uh, of course, stars Alexander Skarsgård as Leo. Before I read these, uh, is is that the Skarsgård that's in um, Barbarian? No, no, no. Okay. Is there a Skarsgård in Barbarian? There is. Yes. Yeah. He's okay, the good, same okay. one in Barbarian. He's the same one that plays Pennywise, right? In the new Bill? It? right? Yeah, yeah. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. You're yeah, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. This is this is the same uh, Skarsgård as the Northman, I believe. Oh, I still got to yes. see that one. Yeah, that sounds correct. There's so many Skarsgårds, you guys. That's mm-hmm. fair. We're, we're allowed to see with them, but there's only one Paul Rudd, and he plays Cactus Bill. Uh, Justin Thoreau as Duck, uh, Seneb Sela as uh, Nadira, and Robert Sheehan as Luba. Yeah, I I think one of the things I'm most excited to discuss with this film is I think uh, between even the four of us, uh, with the full gamut of of uh, takeaways and experiences. So uh, just in a few words, let's let's just go around the horn. I think we'll start with Scott for no reason in particular. We're gonna start with Scott. I like move this on to movie, Gr- you guys. Move on I to Greg. <laughs> Me and then maybe Lena. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what do you got? <laughs> I, I like this movie, you guys. That's fair. Uh, there were certainly it's not, entertaining it's moments. Not perfect. It's uh, but it's perfectly serviceable. Uh, I think the cast puts in some excellent work. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, my 
my kryptonite is cyberpunk movies. And so I went in, number one, with an incredibly low bar because you had both seen it first and you both uh, gave very poor reviews for it. And <laughs> then uh, I was happily surprised and it hit That's my fair. sweet spot. So, yeah, I kind of overall liked it. Maybe we primed you for it. Yes, at the bar love. Mm-hmm. Greg? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, technically made fine. I It was reasonably paced um i i more or less followed along what was going on although a, a lot of the times with like um sort of mystery thrillers and things like that when there's like, well, like when a lot of names get thrown at me i like panic <laughs> and like <I> just, <laughs> you know like i can't remember anyone's name and what they're doing uh so sometimes sometimes i'll go back and um you know read the the wiki just to make sure that i've got everything all lined up and uh, properly i also like halfway through i turned on subtitles and i felt Same. that that helped me quite a bit so um, much just Agreed. trying to keep track of everyone um but yeah over overall i i i feel very much the same way that i felt the first time i watched it which was pretty eh like it's 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 not it's not good. Um, I wasn't necessarily. Uh, it wasn't so bad. I was offended by its badness, right? Um, mm. You know, and and um, and it is to me like I mentioned off the top, and it almost an entirely forgettable movie, and that's it, it's uh, its biggest flaw. That's fair. Uh, I I probably feel like I would be with you, Greg, in the very like meh, forgettable the way <clears throat> a lot of Netflix original films are. This just sort of like banal content. Um, but this one had a, this one had an obnoxious edge to it that I found very off putting. Um, I in fact even struggled to understand how the movie wanted me to feel about a number of characters specifically cactus jack um cactus jack is a wrestler right thank you did i say cactus no i said cactus bill when i you said cactus jack you said cactus bill in the credits but just now you said cactus jack the credits case anyway um yeah i i was unsure until he went full black hat villain until we knew their big reveal of the movie um, I didn't understand how I was supposed to feel about him and not in a, or duck for that matter. Uh, duck, you, you get a, you get a sense much earlier on how you're supposed to feel about him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just found the, the, the grammar that is used to direct audiences feelings and expectations did not line up with what I was seeing in a way that was a little frustrating. And also I found a lot of the characters, um, a lot of them, pretty much everyone, but Leo, uh, quite obnoxious. Um, so, uh, Lena. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Overall impression of the movie. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm going to be very harsh compared to everybody else. Uh, but I found it pretty gross, boring and contrived. Uh, It felt like a lot of it was just happening for it to happen. And I know that, again, I have specific thresholds and I try not to hold those thresholds uh, against a movie that would cross them. Um, But there were a few moments in the movie, Liam, you you referenced the obnoxiousness of it, uh, that that was a little bit, it took me out of it quite a bit. Um, Yeah, combined with um, not knowing how to like, 
feel or why I should care uh, made it a pretty difficult watch for me. I also might be a black sheep in this. I did not care for Alexander Skarsgård's portrayal of Leo. Um, it Go was, on. it was, it, for a lot of people who, for a lot of actors in their characters, a lot of their acting comes through in their dialogue, in the words that they say. So when you don't have words that you can say, there are other things that you need to lean on as an actor, your physicality, your facial expressions, your body language in general. And uh, Skarsgård did not have enough of that for me to buy into his character. It's funny you mentioned that. I showed Amanda the trailer uh, and she asked, why is his face always looking like he's in wonderment? (laughs) 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 <laughs> like and like yeah. in the trailer, all the shots are just him with these like sleepy eyes, looking befuddled, like like my cat. One of my cats just looks like <laughs> he can't handle the world. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot of, at least in the trailer, um, shots of Skarsgård just like looking like it's all too much. I kind of wonder if at least part of that is because he doesn't have enough. Uh, like Skarsgård, Skarsgård doesn't have enough of a character to work with. Like he's he's yeah, he's, he's pretty fair. he's pretty thin. I find his his motivation um, basically boils down to I want my girlfriend back. Um, yeah, he yeah. So there's there's not there's not a lot for him to work with, and and it could also be um, just a, a lack of um, direction. Um, you know, letting him know what he's supposed to f- be feeling and when. Um, so I won't necessarily pin it all on 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 him, but yeah, like it, you, you're right. Like he's, you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have to rely on a lot of other things when you can't speak. And um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, most of the time, he just kind of seems like he does have the same expression uh, on his face. Yeah, lack of direction, or he was specifically directed that way. You know. Yeah. He might have been <laughs> that given could, that, that direction. That could be the case too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The tragedy is that he's the title character and he's the least interesting character in the movie. Yep. Um, yeah, by a both, pretty sizable mile. Yeah, Cactus yep. Bill, Duck, Nadira, uh, Maxim, Luba, all of the other characters are way more interesting than him. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, well, let's uh, let's let them speak for themselves as we hear from the trailer and a plot summary. Do you know what it is to make your dreams come true, Leo? I've seen you working downstairs. You're a good man. This barman should not punch the fucking customers. I don't deserve you, Leo. I love you so much, but you don't know me. I want to know what the deal is. With this crazy bartender. Sure you want our help with this? This kind of thing hurts my reputation. You gonna give me some uh, trouble, big boy? Or are you gonna channel that famous Amish serenity? <laughs> Leo, I need to tell you something. This is gonna stop right now. It ain't a secret anymore. Would you do anything for her? Say your story. Fucking say it! Why the hell can't he talk? He doesn't need words.
As a young Amish child, Leo was hit by a motorboat while swimming, leaving him horrifically injured. Due to his mother's strict beliefs, she refuses treatment, and he is left mute. The year is now 2035, and adult Leo works as a bartender in Berlin while still clinging to his Amish roots, leaving him a Luddite outsider in a cyberpunk dystopia. Leo and his partner Nadira lead a difficult life of crap bosses and crappier customers, including a pair of recurring black marketeers who barely figure into the plot. Nadira feels she doesn't deserve someone as kind as Leo, scaring him into believing she's planning to leave. Despite her assurances, she disappears after an evening of woodshop sex. While this is happening, we also follow two American military surgeons, Cactus Bill and Duck. Bill runs a black market clinic for mobsters and needs forged documents to leave Berlin with his daughter Josie, lest he get deported back to the good old U.S. of A., where he will face charges for going AWOL. His best friend Duck, on the other hand, is an established pediatric cybersurgeon who is also very obviously a pedophile and sucks. Leo begins searching for Nadira, led on by mysterious text messages. After chasing several leads, he eventually learns Nadira is Josie's mother, Cactus Bill is her ex-husband, and he's responsible for her sudden disappearance. Bill eventually figures out that Duck is a pedo, congrats genius, and threatens him not to touch his daughter. Duck confesses that he's been anonymously texting Leo as a way of getting back at Bill for being a dick. Then, for some reason, all is forgiven, and they decide to go out and party together. When Leo tracks down Bill's home, he discovers Nadira's corpse having been murdered by Bill for attempting to raise enough money to take their daughter and leave. Leo and Bill fight, and Cactus gets stabbed in the neck. Duck then kidnaps both Leo and Josie, leaving Bill to die knowing he let a monster abscond with his daughter. Back at his clinic, Duck fixes Leo's throat so he can apologize for stabbing Bill. Leo refuses, and after a cross-country road trip, gets the upper hand and drowns the duck in a river. Leo then takes Josie to her grandmother's, where they live out a safe and happy life. The end. <laughs> uh, I <clears throat> Dr- drowns duck in a river I... was pretty good line. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, good. <laughs> After a cross country road trip, like it's a fun <laughs> romp. <laughs> it kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, Liam, you were going to say before I interrupted you. Oh, I I didn't realize until we read th- through this. Obviously, the twist in this movie, the big reveal, is that uh, Cactus Bill is uh, Nadira's uh, ex-husband and is the one who killed her. And they sh- they show like a flashback of him doing it. And if I'm not mistaken, he pulls her out of bed, like out from under the arms of Leo in that flashback. Correct? Correct. Yeah. He mm-hmm. drugs them both and then absconds with her. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm only thinking about it now, but I don't feel like in all the times he interacts with Leo, he's like, this guy's looking for the lady I literally plucked from his arms. He doesn't really like push him away or act afraid of him or act like it's a problem. Am I wrong? No, you're you're not wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. good. That's another strike against. That makes no <laughs> sense now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because they he, he was meets him in the was, in the coffee shop after shortly after N- Nadira di- disappears. Correct? Is that yes? Right. He, so he like was he into him at the coffee shop? Yeah. Was he like I almost I wondered if he had done that on purpose to just to sort of mess with him, or or to he, or or just to he get says a, that he wants him to stop looking for Nadir. Oh no! Stop punching bartenders oh no that he they don't they don't meet then um no. yeah that's before 
they they meet he punches a bar or he punches a customer they meet in the coffee shop he punches a customer again that's yeah okay mm-hmm. well there we go mm-hmm. so, yeah then i but even then i don't think he act acts like he he's that concerned about leo he seems a lot more concerned about leo messing with the guys who are preparing his forged papers than he yeah. is about the fact that leo is nadira's partner and might clue into the fact that she went missing and that he took her yeah, yeah. That he yeah. broke into his home, pl- pulled her from his arms while he slept. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seems very not concerned about that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess let's, I was going to really get into the, the whole, holding this movie's feet to the fire, but what, what did we like about this movie? Because I do think there are things to, to celebrate and appreciate uh, about this. It is not a complete, at least in my opinion, a complete <laughs> uh, waste of time. I'm going to open and say Paul Rudd. He's yeah. great in this movie. Cactus is the most interesting character. Paul Rudd plays him very well. Paul Rudd puts in a character performance that is very not Paul Rudd. Because on the one hand, he still has kind of that jokiness. He still has um, that uh, energy that Paul Rudd has in like every role he's ever played. But he's also dangerously unhinged and very intimidating. And, and, a, and a dick in a yeah. way that like... Uh, yeah. There's a very charming and charismatic dick. Like Paul Rudd being mean to you is like very funny and like kind of sexy. It's <laughs> <laughs> and some of the some of the acting he does in the movie too. Like I'm thinking specifically of the last scene with Bill when he's watching Duck take off with Josie. The look on his face is pain and terror and horror and rage and helplessness, and it's all there. And I'm just like, Paul Rudd can act you guys. Oh my God. This was a, a, a fix that I jokingly wrote down and isn't in my list of actual fixes, but like partway through the movie, I think when Paul Rudd was surrounded by um, the military guys who were like, you know, someone, re- people really want you to come home. Um, I jokingly wrote in my notes, make Paul Rudd the protagonist because I thought he was so interesting to watch thoroughly unlikable, but very yeah. interesting. As usual, someone's tiptoeing into my fixes. <laughs> Oopsie, sorry. Yeah, I, I, Let me get out of I here. I want to see him get another chance to do a role like this, like put him in like a James Gunn Suicide Squad kind of movie where he can be like that kind of dick, but with material and direction that <clears throat> can can back it up. Because it was great. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Um, I liked the 20 years in the future world building quite a bit. Um, I know uh, it could be argued that some of the, the fact that it's in a cyberpunk world is sort of incidental. And I definitely don't think they lean into it enough. Agreed. But what was, what was there? I was quite endeared with, um, looked really good. Some of it was thought out like the, the fridge and the, the robots and stuff. Like I like that kind of stuff. And yeah, I just would love to have seen more of it, but I do, I do think the world building was great. In that context, there's other world building <laughs> stuff that I have a problem with, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm struggling to think of, st- of things that I that I really that I really liked. I mean, we we talked about Paul Rudd, um, which is probably the uh, the the big standout. Um, and I, I don't know. There's just it wasn't there wasn't too much that really sparked my. Uh, imagination with this with this movie like you 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 mentioned the the world building and i actually felt that it was really flat 
for the most part. Um, there's some really, there are some really cool shots though. Like that shot in the library, um, where they kind of pan and like the 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 lights start like in the in the doorways that are all uh, leading towards the end of it are all coming on. That's that was really really neat. Um, but I think that's just like an existing place. I'm not sure that that's a <laughs> that's a, an invention <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Um, uh, like I I I didn't I didn't like outside of like seeing some of like the uh, vehicles that. Um, that had sort of the same similar style as the vehicles that were in moon where I was like, Hey, yay. I recognize that thing. That was about the most excitement I had, uh, in terms of like, uh, the overall production design. Um, definitely I, I, the thing that you want to feel when you're, uh, experiencing a movie is remember this, get excited. If that's the most exciting part. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's basically any star Wars movie nowadays. So yeah. <laughs> or Marvel yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. And also I'll be honest, I'm a sucker for interconnected things. Like I'm, I'm an old school Kevin Smith fan. So anytime it's like, that's just the thing from another movie. It's like the, the, the same poster shows up in the background in two movies. I live for that shit. So when, uh, Sam Rockwell was there briefly, uh i was i was quite pleased i'm like anytime people do that you know yeah yeah they, I, it felt like they were uh attempting to speak my language but they it wasn't quite <laughs> we weren't quite talking this they were the same right? they were like, using like words you recognized but you weren't <laughs> yeah you weren't putting the yeah. context together. yeah we were speaking in dialects that were just like just different enough <laughs> that we didn't really understand each other right so that's more or less how i feel and i i yeah i feel bad because like i should you know in a section where we're supposed to talk about what, like i shouldn't shit on the movie but um i just i just can't help it me and aaron had like a long conversation about um, the world building and, and and comparing it to things like um, you know like Blade Runner and uh, you know other sort of cyberpunk films that were much more interesting to look at you know like um, Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner was like extremely colorful and things like that and like this one was colorful too but not like it was like it, like it was neon <laughs> it was neon but yeah. like the like the like this like it was like the sets had color but they didn't have interest does that make sense like i would like they weren't interesting in any in any particular way and there weren't there weren't a lot of there weren't like you know great big futuristic structures to draw your eye or anything like that i don't know if that was like maybe a function of budget or maybe they just he wanted it to be much a lot more contemporary um but yeah i just wasn't getting like a, a like a real uh fun vibe from it i think part of the problem with that is that when you're looking at most cyberpunk movies the the sci-fi elements are baked into the themes and the plot Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this movie, like Liam even said, it's very incidental. The technology isn't there to serve the story so much as just to be an obstacle for Leo. And I feel like that maybe is part of the reason why it just didn't quite resonate. Because, it's not even that. Because it's one of my, my fixes. One of my fixes is there. he should have more technologically based ob- obstacles. Fair enough. Um, that that, that like noir <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. sleuthing should just be him having to like reconcile with this stuff he doesn't understand, and that's the like detective work he's got to do. It's like anyone who has had the tech savvy and knew their way around would be like finding the numbers would have and solved and answers would have solved the mystery in an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and I they squandered that. They really yeah yeah, yeah. they didn't go yeah. far enough with that for sure. 
Leo's lack of interest in the technology due to him being Amish uh, broadened out into a into the movie's lack of interest, um, which is so unfortunate because yeah. I, as a viewer, <laughs> wanted to have interest in it, and yet. <laughs> Yeah, if I, I think about the, the scene where he went to Oswald's apartment and um, Oswald is like, he's dressed like um, a geisha for some reason. And then like you walk into his bedroom and there's these like two robots. It's just sex uh, robots. The, two sex two robots, two yeah. Sex robots. And you think, you think <laughs> well, like, oh, he must be like, these must be like pretty versatile robots that he's having all these sexcapades with or whatever but then they get turned on and they're like you know uh the rocky and bullwinkle robots yeah the chuck, at e. chuck e. cheese <laughs> and like is and like and i'm like is that all they do and it's just like it you know it, that to me is just like exemplifies how little this movie thought about its future. It's just like, would people really want to have like, just like an automaton that like just moved several inches? Like, ah, it gets the job done, I guess. Wiggles. Not yeah. a sex robot, but a sex animatronic. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. I kind of um, felt some of the same struggles as you, Greg. Um, the things that I liked about the movie, I felt like later got undermined by the movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I liked some of the the lighting choices and and what they were trying to do with the setting, but then they didn't dig into it deep enough for me. I liked the music choices. Uh, you know, I thought that they were interesting and evocative and felt specific to mute. And then they needle dropped the lullaby heart shaped box. And I was like, why did you do this to me? <laughs> um, I liked some of the characters and character designs until I didn't. The first time I saw Luba, um, I thought that was a fascinating choice for a character design. And then they decided to make Luba a, um, you know, Nadira lookalike prostitute. And I was like, why did that have to happen? Um, I, I mean, one thing I will say that I definitively liked that kind of tied in a little bit to what Liam had said, uh, the, the food drone delivery service, that was cool. Leo needing to interact with it as a clue that was cool. <laughs> I, w I was hoping the whole movie was that. I was just yeah. him... Yes. Having to get information and and names and dates out of technology without knowing how to work it and like working that was you know, possibly my favorite beat of the movie was him getting an address by reverse Uber Eats ordering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to circle back to we were talking about speaking the language. Uh, Greg had said that, and I talked about the grammar. I and then Lena has had been like make uh cactus bill. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, yep. I always doubt it. Cactus, make Cactus uh, uh, the protagonist. I'm curious for you guys because even the trailer posits this. Did you think that Cactus Bill was one of the protagonists, and for how long? No, and the reason why is because I could, f I felt from jump that Leo and Cactus were being aimed at one another and that 
like there was a confrontation brewing between them that one of them was not leaving this movie alive basically uh and okay. that and that made me sus and based on cactus bill being kind of overly villainous at multiple points throughout the movie like because he's like the cafe shop owner in the old like i was like he's the bad guy like cactus bill Mm -hmm. is the bad guy i feel like the movie like in so much the movie tipped its hand too early to me that cactus bill was the villain um and there's a lot of other instances where the movie's like playing its cards backwards and i can see what's going on um (laughs) and it it didn't ruin the movie for me because i still i still enjoyed it i even I've said before, just because you know the destination doesn't mean you can't enjoy the journey. Um, but I feel like that didn't serve the mystery very well. And it, it ties into my fixes. It, it all comes back. Um, anybody else? Did you feel that way? I mean, I, just I had seen it before and like some latent memories probably just had like, I, I don't I don't think I would be able to answer that honestly. Right. Like, I, I, yeah. I'd have to go back and remember what I thought the first time, but I don't remember watching it, so I don't <laughs> get it. I think I had always known, possibly even from watching the trailer, that Cactus was going to be an antagonist. Um, maybe less because, how do I put this? Like, my film language brain kind of filled that in. It's like, oh, we got Leo the protagonist and we got Nadira the partner. And then we got Cactus, who doesn't seem related to Leo, must be the antagonist. And I think there was also a part of my brain that was like, ah, stoic protagonist, fun, campy antagonist. That's okay. That's in, in very interesting because you're absolutely correct. Like the language, <laughs> that like dynamic is cooked into language. The The words, the language, the grammar I was picking up was we're spending equal amounts of time with Cactus Bill and Leo. Mm-hmm. And even though Cactus Bill's being an asshole, he is very concerned about his daughter. He he expresses he is singular in his good daditude. Um even in the trailer they include a line of him being like, don't give her any sugar. Um so I'm like, okay, we got a guy who cares deeply about his daughter and is in a very bad situation because I got the impression that working for the mob, they were he was kind of like under their thumb. Like he was AWOL, therefore he had to do mob stuff. And so he was like in this really tough, unenviable position. And we mm-hmm. were meant to empathize with him. And exactly what Scott said, that he was on a collision course with Leo, but I thought it was going to meet them, you know, maybe at cross purposes for a moment and then team up to take on the big noir bad that was Maxim or Os, uh, Oscar Oswald or some other guy we had never met. Um, and then when it's revealed that Cactus Bill is a fucker, his friend's a fucker, uh, <laughs> and he's the villain for the movie, I was just, I felt, I was like, oh, that's the twist? The twist is I've been rooting for the wrong guy the whole time? Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like there's a better way to subvert that expectation. Um, I, yeah, it's... <sighs> The movie's trying to make you feel sympathy for the villain, mm-hmm. and it it does an okay but not okay enough job. Um, and again, uh, tiptoeing into my fixes, I think that the way you fix that is that the movie should be about Cactus Bill. <laughs> um, um, the, okay, then I want to elaborate on that. Um, the movie is asking you to empathize with the villain, and and sure, fine. And if that's what it was trying to do, sure, fine. But then what 
if that's the case, what point does Duck's character at all serve? Duck is an important plot beat that builds to the finale. And he is necessary, but he is clumsily used by the movie. And this goes back to me saying the movie plays its cards backwards the whole time. He is so obviously a pedophile right from jump (laughs) that- Let's table the finale for a second. Um, Just the way that like, if, if we're meant to empathize with a villain- and then we've got this even more villainous guy that he like forgives. I just I feel like that also muddies the message. Like if it you're undermines do this yeah. thing. It undermines it completely. It, yeah, like no, for sure. I, I might not like that they made me empathize with a villain and then pulled a bait and switch. But if that's what they're trying to do, Duck ruins what they're trying to do in in at least that regard. It, uh, it he yeah, very so. much had sidekick vibes for me. Where you know we were any of the scenes that involved the two of them were very much through the lens of cactus. Um, Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, here's his friend being a shit. Um, And the fact that he later, yeah, becomes the guy who drives the finale felt really weird because of the sidekick vibes he had the whole time, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, tiptoes into one of my fixes where he stays the sidekick and Paul Rudd is the villain all the way through. Um, But but yeah, it 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 was weird to me. His character was weird to me. What his character was about was weird to me, especially the fact that that Cactus was like, "Don't you dare. Don't you do a single fucking thing. Don't you don't you even ever look at my daughter ever again." Uh, oh, s- 3 seconds later, I got my papers were best buds. Like, yeah, that scene drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I I I actually kind of like the the subversion of my expectations that uh that um, Duck ends up being the the final the boss, boss, so to speak. But I, I think I think his uncomfortableness with Bill and, or his adversarial nature with Bill was. I, I think the reason that doesn't necessarily work is because like that relationship isn't properly developed. Like I kept reading it throughout the movie, like um, that Duck is like kind of loyal no matter what. So like when he was like, oh yeah, I was like secretly texting uh, yeah. Leo, and I was like, he, why were you doing that? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. so weird. So the movie can happen. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean they're they're really. Like, I he had, I he had no he had no even uh, real had he even met Leo. I can't remember. Uh, you know, not like, really. Yeah, like it's just so it was just so strange to me um, that that had occurred, and and it. And it uh, there's not a lot of conflict between them early on in the movie to s- sort of suggest that kind of action. And I feel like if that that sort of if if their relationship was more adversarial um, in the early going, and and um, maybe they sort of like uh, talked about their sort of like disagreements and things like that a little bit more, then maybe that would have helped that that ultimate. Um, you know, switch I can, subversion of expectations. I can see the structure of what's going on here, but it's not well executed. And that mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. Bill and Duck have uh, a contentious relationship that is driven by Bill's personality. It's very one-sided. He's very dependent on Duck, but he's also very mean to Duck. And Duck loves him, loves Bill, but he hates Bill, but he loves Bill. 
And that's the relationship that they have going on up until Bill threatens to expose him. And Duck, to protect himself and to protect his lifestyle and to protect his business, betrays Bill at that point to Leo, leading leading to Bill's death. And then to rub salt in the wounds, he then absconds with Josie and kidnaps Leo, leaving leaving Bill to die, seeing this happen. He is a monster. Um, and then he goes on to try to get Leo to apologize for killing Bill because he's messed up and he's projecting his own guilt on Leo. And that's why he wants Leo to apologize to him. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's the last boss. I can fully track his character arc through this film. But it's very clumsily done, you guys. It's very clumsily done. And there is a way to make it work. And I I have that kind of baked into my idea. It's just it's not well handled in the movie. Well, then let's get to our fixes. Uh, I can't wait to hear it because I know I've got lots. I think we all do. Uh, we're going to hear a little uh, promo for another podcast you might enjoy. Uh, and then we'll be back to fix Mute. In the warring megatowers of a cyberpunk dystopia, bored teenagers use their modified hoverboards to sneak into other dimensions. It's dangerous. It's stupid. It's completely outlawed by the giant corporations that own the entire world. And it's the coolest thing ever. This is Slug Blaster. Brinley is going to use her beam like a grappling hook. Scampion, foam jet right to the center of the disc. A bunch of lightning just sort of crackles around him. This is our chance to put our crew on the map. Yes, it pleases me to know that I have done well. At the last possible moment, you fire. Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. Listen to new episodes every other Wednesday. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're going to fix Mute, uh, unlike Leo's neck. Uh, Thanks, Amish mom. We're going to get this thing fixed. Uh, Greg, you want to kick us off? Well, that's actually a pretty good segue um, because I feel um, that Leo is a pretty flat character, and we discussed that a little bit in the the first half. And um, I, I thought that, um, one of the ways that you can kind of give his um, character much more um, texture would be to uh, change the circumstances of uh, his accident that leads to him becoming a mute. Um, I, I think that uh, if it's a little bit more dramatic in the, in the sense that like he's Leo is actually trying to save his sister who is who is drowning he dives into the water to try and catch her as she's sinking uh and then he runs out of breath very very quickly and he panics and then he tries to quickly get up to the surface and that's when he runs into the boat propeller um and that causes that accident and and like the reason I, the reason I, 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 I think you need to give Leo more uh, motivation and more, and I feel like he needs to be a bit more of a tortured character. You know, his his thing is that he just like he just can't he can't seem to save the things that he that he loves, 
And I and I feel mm-hmm. like this also gives you an opportunity to explore that through his various swimming scenes where he's like, you know, uh, trying to hold his breath and things like that. Like it gives him a reason to do that because he's he's trying to he's holding his breath because he's challenging himself to do the thing that he couldn't do uh, when he was a kid, which is to try which is to be able to swim deep enough in order to to save his uh, his sister. And I love. Then- I love the metaphor of him now having to dive deep into the underworld and not come back mm. up until he's he's found what he's looking for. Sure. Yeah, that'd be yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um it also plays obviously into the ending because now he's he's been spending all this time building himself up that he can hold his breath long enough that he can kill Duck by by sinking along with him, right? Which is more or less like how things are supposed to be, but it's just not like red is clear. But I, I really I really liked the idea of giving him uh much more of a tortured soul so that you can kind of uh feel why he's so concerned about Nadira and and why he, he can't get yeah why he's determined why mm-hmm. he can't give up on her um and then why it it hurts so bad when he can't uh save her and then he you know he ultimately is able to save um his daughter right so like then there you know then there's then they you know they they he kind of has some more uh in common with uh with uh, uh cactus bill Who's working to the uh, you know get his daughter into a better place and you know that kind of stuff? So I don't know. It makes it's, him it's a better a, foil. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was a very small thing, but I just I, I just feel like he was he was so flat. He just needed so much. He just needed more oomph to him. Yeah, I dig that a lot, especially because of how much it justifies the swimming scenes and him yeah. drinking water scenes. Yeah. Because the whole time I was like, okay, what's what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't put that together until you said it. Yeah, the, the the whole drinking water thing. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be doing it for I, I thought that he it, it just hurt to drink water. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of like That's what, I too? <laughs> That's what I assumed it was bad cyberpunk future water, but he wasn't about to drink modern <laughs> modern technologically bottled water. He's going to choke down the poison cuz he's Amish. Oh, I thought it had something to do with his throat still hurting or something. Oh, that's a- yeah. But he takes like such a big deep breath. I'm like, I think he's choking down tap water he shouldn't be drinking. Ah. <laughs> my read on this movie, I think I was way off. I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to admit this movie might have gone over my head, but I don't think it's like quite like that. But <laughs> that well, I mean, that could be a length- fix though. Is like yeah. you get you know the neon lights and the advertisements, and like part of it is like always remember to drink bottled water. Um, <laughs> Did Greg's thing there inspire anybody? You know, it's okay if Leo's a little flat if he's not the main character. (laughs) 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 And I think it's finally time to unveil my version of the movie where we follow Cactus Bill, and he is the main character. He's the more interesting character by far. Um, He is an interesting anti he's portrayed kind of as an anti-hero. He'll ultimately still be a villain in my version. Um, and the way that we do that is we just have the movie start with Bill. He's in a bad place. He's this AWOL soldier. He's working for the mob. He's trying to look out for his daughter. He's got his morality pet, who is Duck, his old war buddy who runs a legitimate business locally and is trying to help him out. And now there's more pressure on because all of a sudden, 
there's this implacable man who seems to be hunting for him. And Bill doesn't understand why at first, because he'd even go as far as, like, I'd have him literally say, like, I'm better at making enemies than I am making friends. Like, this guy could be a bounty hunter looking for the bounty on AWOL soldiers. He could be some mob guy who's pissed off at me. Like, I don't know who this guy is. And when it comes to Josie's mom, we only ever get oblique references to his ex, who's out of the picture. And Mm. it kind of can be framed a little bit like she's just gone so that we still have like that, that act four twist where Bill turns out to have murdered her because she was going to take off with Josie and Leo is after him because of that. And Leo's still, Leo's still the hero, but he's just been this like Jason Voorhees character in the background, murdering his way through the mob to get to Bill. And we, it it takes Bill most of the movie to figure out, why? Like, it's I, it's not my fault you fell in love with my crummy ex. She threatened to take away my daughter and I killed her. But because we've spent so much more time with Bill, he's much more sympathetic. And so it's more of a betrayal almost to us that he actually did murder a woman. He did a bad thing and he's yeah. getting his comeuppance and he deserves it. We, but, and I, I still think that we have him get sold out by Duck, his morality pet, because we do still have the reveal that duck is a pedophile, but it's much more slow burned and it's not so obvious. So that when he does figure it out, it's a bigger betrayal. He calls out duck on it and duck immediately sells him out to Leo to protect himself. And then duck still ends up as the final acts villain because the mask is off. It turns out he's not a good clean cut guy. He's actually the worst monster in the bunch. And we want Leo to, who's now the hero, who's now unveiled as the hero to save Josie. Because at the end of the day, Josie is the person who we're rooting for, even through Cactus's story and even through Leo becoming the focal character in the end. It's all about this little girl and getting her out of this terrible situation. That's, Mm -hmm. that's great too. Yeah. The, the, like having, once we learn Leo is actually the one on the righteous path to justice and then giving him this even more bigger foil. uh, then. I love everything you said. That's a, a sick fix. One of my small notes actually then needs to be highlighted for yours. We need way more out of Josie. We need her to be an actual character and not a MacGuffin. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So that but way, if we're spending more time with Bill, we get more time with Josie automatically. With Josie. So then when it's like when Bill dies and like, oh, fuck, Bill's a monster. We're like, well, but we all still love Josie. Yeah, like, we, we love, all still love Josie. <laughs> Abs- yeah, absolutely. She's the no through line of the movie. She's the through line of the plot. Rather than Nadira being the through line of the plot, Josie is the through line of the plot in my version. She's yeah. the fu- she's the fulcrum around which the rest of the movie is revolving. And I think that that makes for a stronger movie with a more interesting character, a more interesting act for betrayal, because now we, the audience, are like, oh, Bill, you did a bad thing. You deserve yeah. this. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and, Again, a much slower burn with Duck, so that there's little clues, but they're not so obvious. And in hindsight, if you were re-watching the movie, you'd be like, oh, dude, this dude was a pedophile the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. But it's not so – like the first things out of his mouth aren't like, oh, schoolgirls grow up and then they're ruined. Am I right? <laughs> Sick. Um, That's my I, I honestly <laughs> like what you said better, so I'm going to – a lot of my notes I'm not even going to bother mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to – Lena, did you, I'd like to hear what, what you had to say because I, I think you're going to cut a lot of things like I want to. So I'll let you uh, – Yeah. Um, so I was almost um, 
on the same wavelength uh, where we keep a character um, hidden for a while and don't reveal them. But I chose not the same character. Uh, Please tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I guess my first note is sort of a, a, I kind of followed the, the plot of the movie itself a little bit more in my fixes and one of the first things that I think I would do is maybe not have Leo be Amish. The reason that he doesn't uh, understand and interact with cyberpunk to- technology is not because he's Amish. It's because he can't speak. And so much of the cyberpunk technology has evolved around voice activation. It's mm. already there. Uh, ramp that up. And then not only do you have a justification for Leo not wanting to interact with the technology, but you also have this underlying theme of how even in a cool cyberpunk future, people can still be dicks about accessibility. And then when Nadira gives him a phone, it's not because he's Amish, it's because she finally managed to configure one that has no voice activation whatsoever. I actually really like that. Mm-hmm. I like that That's it plays. Sick. I like that it plays into more, uh, and that oh, right there, right there, it's low hanging fruit, but it's it's a good future sci fi theme about accessibility, and it's yeah. oh, and the movie yeah. missed the mark on it, and it was right there, <laughs> and it makes his the fact that he can't talk feel like it has more impact than just people like why can't he talk anyway? He doesn't need words. <laughs> uh, also. There are no, I looked this up before the, the movie. There's no Amish people in Europe anymore. Um, there haven't been for years. I didn't understand why he was there. Um, I understand. I guess there was like a, a little, um, like where, where was it, Scott? It was like, a, it was mentioned- like in a newspaper early on in the movie. Yeah. Okay. That like mm-hmm. Amish had been invited back to Europe or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real ham fisted way to get a Luddite is just be like, there's an Amish guy in cyberpunk Berlin 2035. It's like, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. There's, I know our imaginations, anything can happen, but there's no good reason. Yeah. No. <laughs> Especially with it, with then because his Luddite-ness doesn't really factor into the plot a whole lot anyway. So like, yeah, it's really superfluous. Yeah. There's not a lot that digs into yeah, if he him loses being wood Amish. Carving. If he loses wood carving in Lena's version, it still works. He can yeah. still enjoy wood carving. It's fine. Yeah. You don't need to be Amish yeah, to enjoy no. wood carving. Yeah. Not, <laughs> hashtag not all Amish. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a minor thing because I was like, why is this here? Uh, so my fix for that is it's not. Um, and, and helps narrow that focus a little bit more. The, the sort of bigger, um, broader fix that I have is that when Nadira goes to Leo in the middle of the night... Um, and she wants to tell him something. She tells him. She oh, tells yeah. him the thing. She tells him that she has a daughter and that she is looking for her and wants to get her back. And then when she disappears, there are stakes and Leo is motivated to look for her. Ah. Who is the daughter? We don't know because we don't see her until way later in the movie. Uh Cactus is getting papers. He's getting papers for two people. We can assume the whole time that he's getting those papers for himself and for Duck. Ugh. But but then, when he finds out he's a pedophile, first of all, sure, Duck can be gross throughout the whole movie, and Bill is upset. 
every single time. And us as viewers can think, yeah, you're right, that is a super gross thing. But when he finds the cameras, he doesn't forgive Duck, he kills Duck. And mm-hmm. then he gets that same call that his papers are ready for two, yes, good. And that's when we can find out that he has a daughter who is, in fact, Nadira's daughter. Oh, so good. That's so elegant. And then and my- work, yeah. Uh, my final two little things are, um, I don't think that Leo should ever talk. Um, and if you want Josie to not talk, that is also a valid choice. And then you can keep the parallel between them. I thought it was so contrived that Josie talked and then Leo talked. Um, and also, I don't want Nadira to die at the end. I want her to be the one who kills Cactus. In your version, rather than him fridging her, he's just like got her locked up in the basement or something. Yeah. And maybe she's actually able to like send some texts out to Leo. Maybe she's actually the one doing it and trying to give him clues to where she is or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not not Duck doing it for no reason. <laughs> no <laughs> strange reason. reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we both had ways of tuning up the existing plot and interesting in different ways, which I kind of like yeah. actually. It backs up my original feeling that this script is half-baked. It really is something that needed like another draft or two before it was ready to actually get filmed because there were a lot of things that just hadn't quite been ironed out. Yeah. And the fact that like we could take two wildly different approaches to fixing basically the same material, like, uh, I love it. But also kind of come to similar, yeah, similar conclusions. Yeah. Um, of like what needed to be with what information needed to be withheld and how to better dole it out. Yeah. Or, um, or where the, what the plot needed to revolve around. Yeah. 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 Um, that's great. I like both of those. I'm going to breeze through mine. Cause I think you guys <clears throat> did a much better job, uh, with than what I was going to say. My, the case I was going to make was, I think you could cut the whole duck character and storyline, mm. uh, and it would not change much. Uh, other than um, it, like you can end with a knife to the neck and you find out that the guy you just killed had a daughter um, that you did a doodle for earlier and you take her to grandma. Uh, if you need an additional threat post neck knife, then it's just the guy that we thought was going to be the big bad like Maxim or uh, Oswald or whatever. Um, but again, I think your guys' was more elegant. Um, but I, I, I just was my case was going to be cut duck entirely um i i I didn't i didn't like the character i thought he was like it's just and and i felt like the the scene in his office when he's like videotaping that girl again i was like unsure how i was supposed to feel like you can this being played for laughs you can cut that scene completely in my version in my version you never get duck's perspective it's either from cactus's perspective or leo's perspective Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i yeah i think what i what i found distasteful about that scene was like um, like how how much we kind of like lingered on it. I mean, like yeah. it, it doesn't. I don't know. It's it's gross material, and just like you know, they 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 show too much of the gross stuff. <laughs> for, yeah. for, like when it comes, they, especially when it comes to kids, there's like there's a line, and I think that I felt like they crossed it with that scene, and uh, yeah, yeah. and I would have preferred that like that's that be more implied you know what he's doing rather than being us making uh, being implicit in yeah, it exactly. yeah exactly and us every being other instance to observe it yes yeah yeah every other instance of him being a gross creep 
cactus is also there and witnessing it. So you kind of have someone that you can like see this through. But yeah, then that yeah. one scene of him with the girl and he's filming her and watching her walk on the treadmill, that like that's all duck. He's the one main character in it, and that I think is a big part of why it feels so exploitative and weird. Yeah, and it's also like not it's not a movie about pedophilia. So like, you know, yeah. like yeah. You, you, you know, you're not you're not they're not really commenting on pedophilia. So it's like it, you know, in a movie where you were approaching that subject matter to deal with it, then I can understand that scene more. I'd be super I'd still be just as uncomfortable as I am watching it now, but like at least I at least I understand the purpose for seeing it. Um and yeah, there's no the, you know, there's it, it's like it's like when, you know, movies use rape as a texture. It's like like I don't I don't need or want to see this. You can imply that it's happening, mm-hmm. but like if you're not if you're not going to deal with that subject matter directly, then you need to approach it uh, from a different angle as a filmmaker. And I, I think that's you yeah. know, what they the mistake that they made here. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the character is very clumsily handled in the existing film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my other notes are I'm going to bang through them quick because they're they're more just little little detail ones because I also want to get to our awesome listener comments. Um, but I, I didn't like most of the dialogue in this movie um, if it wasn't outright. Uh, uh, homophobic, transphobic, sexist, whatever. Misogynist. (laughs) Um, It also was just like not very good. It just like some of the regular dialogue was was not. I think the only time I genuinely laughed was the no, I'm a wall, you're asshole. Mm. (laughs) Um, Or or I'm I fucked it up. I'm a wall, you're a hole. But the only time I laughed, and even that. He 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 gets a a line in at the end of that scene and it cuts like a second too soon and it cuts off the joke. <laughs> it was really so um and what I'd love to replace the dialogue with uh is like true noir like rat a tat like hey I'm like maybe they don't have to do the transatlantic accent, see, but they got a little more like uh um you know the rat a tat dialogue that comes with a noir movie mixed with cool cyberpunk slang. Uh, one of the things uh, um, we we take great strives to do on Quantum Kickflip is um, use cyberpunk slang. Uh, this is some wizard. This is some wizard Chrome chum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Mix that with noir ratatat dialogue. It would be sick. Um, and, and they didn't do any of that. We know from Quantum Kickflip, like a lot of that was uh, spearheaded by Robin, uh, who was on the podcast. Uh, it doesn't take much. Find your alternative yeah. for fuck. Uh, find yeah. some of the things that if you say like cool, sick, awful, brutal, and like swap those in, boom, you got your cyberpunk slang. It's super easy. Yeah. Those guys got um, fragged by that trog. Gridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had mentioned this in the first bit. I think it works very well with either of your versions. Um, whether it's Leo, the quote unquote antagonist in, in Scott's version or, or Lane is more true to, as we see things here. Um, I just really, I was really excited to be like, okay, cyberpunk guy who doesn't understand technology and he's got to solve this mystery. I wanted to see him doing sleuthing work in the form of figuring out technology in Scott's version mm-hmm. or having to navigate the challenges of accessibility in Lena's version. Um, but like, like I said at the beginning, anyone who was tech savvy would have solved it right away. His sleuthing is due to this language barrier. 
Um, cause I loved the bit where he reverse Uber eats in order to find grandma's, mm-hmm. uh, or not, no, but he did the phone book for grandma, but, um, for Oswald to the, to the delivery thing. Uh, I love that you could have done that. The whole movie could have had legs. And if you cut duck, like I want to, you can fill all the duck time with him having to figure out how to work a vending machine. <laughs> I will say something I didn't mention earlier on. One of the set pieces that I kind of liked is his analog car chase against a flying car. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was fun. Because I've I've never seen that in a cyberpunk movie before. You see flying cars all the time, but a dude having to do like a ground car and trying to like tail a flying car. <laughs> I was legitimately like, that's actually kind of neat. I like that. <laughs> yes, except for when he steals that car, it does look like he's able to hotwire it by just jiggling the gear shift. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you can cyberpunk wheel cars. You can start by jiggling the gear shift. Even an Amish guy can figure it out. Um, I thought it was a valet situation. Maybe yeah, I that's, misread that's the that's scene. That's what I thought. That that's too. fair. Because yeah. someone was like, um, Maxim's car is ready or something. Yeah, and then he goes in and he starts grinding the gears. <laughs> yeah. Drives off with it. Um, yeah, and then uh, there's also, there was just that scene where um, someone named Nikki had these, like, black mask goons that look scary as hell. And they never come up or come back or it's, show up again. It's like the arms that, dealers. Mm. Uh, the black market the guys dealers who and harass Nadira. And the military guys. They're all very incidental side characters who don't factor into the plot again. And that's a shame because in all three cases, I was like, I'm interested to learn more about yeah. this. At least with <laughs> yeah. the black marketeers, they are relevant to one plot beat once. Yes. The yeah. black mask guys aren't relevant at all. No. They're and just that's they're another never example. Used. Their character design was ooh, yeah, ooh, so good, and it felt the like that was the only reason eyes. they were there. And it's like, no, give me more. I want more. <laughs> and I gotta end this with just a quick question because it seems like I didn't track a lot of what was happening in this movie. <laughs> yeah, why was it ever explained why there are so many American military guys AWOL in Berlin, and why is it such a pressing matter? Like, top of the news headlines, uh, public service announcements on the streets. If you see something, say something. There's a new <laughs> D- Cold Don't War. be shy. Screw that guy was the <laughs> announcement. Yeah, there's a new Cold War going on, and there was a conflict in Kabul where Duck and, um, and Cactus were stationed before mm-hmm. Cactus went AWOL. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been dragging on and a lot of the American soldiers who are stationed there have just started to like abandon their posts so they can go back to their families and stuff. Uh It's again, it's just like the Amish stuff. It's, it's in newspapers. You have to pause the movie (laughs) and and read the background material. I didn't know why either. I was in the same boat as Liam. Wild. That feels important. Annoying because you know what else is also you got to pause to catch it. The Sam Rockwell cameo. Yeah. Sam Rockwell cameo. Blink if you miss it. Great. Key world building explanations. Blink and you miss it. No, please be a little more explicit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of being explicit, uh, we have listener comments. Uh, Thank you to everybody who contributed. We always love to hear from you. If you follow us on social media, we ask for them. Give us your thoughts. We love reading them on the show. Uh, Robin from Cinematological says, oh, I hated that movie. <laughs> Him and a lot of other people, it seems. <laughs> well, at least, he, at least he has seen it. <laughs> yeah. 
Allison Borealis says, I love Mute because it's part of the Moon universe and the overarching themes were so fascinating to me. Was Mute best served by being a Netflix film? No. No. And it it needed some work. It needed some punch up. I think we all agree. But I mean, mm-hmm. um, from what I understand, uh, Duncan Jones kind of uh, envisioned this as like a trilogy of like cyberpunky films. And there's like a third one kind of in the oven right now. And I'm interested. I'm I believe the third I'm interested to see installment it. was um, finished in a in comic book form, as I understand it. Really? Yeah. I had not heard that. Well, I'm going to have to go read a comic book now. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and uh, probably for the best, not not too many of our listeners saw this particular film. So uh, <laughs> we then also decided to ask uh, folks on our social media and in our Discord, uh, what is the best and worst Netflix original film? Uh, friend of the pod, Robin Slack says, I watched Mute with Lena. Uh, hey, I know them. Uh, I watched Mute with Lena in preparation for the episode, and I can confidently say Mute is the worst one. Someone <laughs> needs to go out there and see Bright. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was one that we avoided. And <laughs> honestly, um, watching Mute, Robin was like, is that the worst movie you've ever seen? And I'm like, I don't know if it, I, I would say it's the worst just because... Um, I don't feel confident enough putting mute in that particular category, but it's it's low, I suppose. I mean, we watched maybe worse Netflix Brothers. original because I didn't watch mm. Bright. <laughs> we watched Blues Brothers two thousand for this podcast, and it was objectively worse than this movie by a wide. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd watch Blues Brothers two thousand. I'd watch it again. It's been a long time since I saw it, but I remember having fun with parts. Yeah, it's got. Aretha Franklin's not in this movie. Anyway. <laughs> um, but that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's not but not even the worst movie I've ever seen uh, or even the worst one we've done on this podcast. But it's it's definitely one of those ones that's been pretty memorably bad. So uh, somewhat agreed. Robin uh, at Fernby Films says, Death Note. A strong argument can be made that it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of films in my 48 years. Oof. I never watched Death Note. Um, I, I did watch... Uh, that new One Piece, and it was pretty good. Uh, so maybe they learned some lessons from the famously bad Death Note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fernby Films continues. Most others, even Mute, have some redeeming factors: strong cast, poor scripts, etc. Uh, but Death Note was hateful, dreadful, clusterfuck of awful. The best, the recent All's Quiet on the Western Front was masterful. Glass Onion ranks pretty high too. Yeah, Glass Onion was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. That would I had, probably be my pick. Yeah, I believe I had picked All Quiet as my favorite movie of 2022. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's yep. up there for me as well. It's definitely up there for me too. Uh, Chris says it's a tough question because they're all so forgettable. <laughs> Gray Man wasn't great, but Six Underground was terrible, and Gunpowder Milkshake and Mute were rough. Yeah, uh, yeah. Greg, Greg famously didn't yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. It's at the bottom of my list. <laughs> I've, I think I've suggested it for this podcast a couple times and now I'm going to stop doing that uh, based on hearing you talk about <laughs> it's, it. It's, it's a movie with an interesting premise that completely squanders all of its potential. Like it's got a stacked cast, it's got a great idea mm-hmm. and it just totally, like it takes one step across the starting line and just biffs it right on the face. Yeah, it, it, managed oh, to, it manages to be so boring and that's just criminal given the cast that it had. 
Uh, they conclude, for best, uh, robbing Mussolini wasn't exactly amazing, but it was less bland than most of their stuff. Uh, Herman from Modern Manhood says, uh, the gray man is absolutely the worst. Marriage Story, I think, is the best. The Irishman, a close second. Yeah, gray man's come up a couple times here. Have uh, any of you seen the gray man? No. I heard too many bad things about it. Fair enough. Uh, Cody says, best, the other side of the wind. Not familiar with that one. Uh, you have to look it up. Worst, Red Notice. Netflix honestly has a lot of really great original films. It's a shame they don't promote all of them the first week, uh, if at all. Also, I tried taking a quick look at their list and try not to, and tried not to add Red Notice, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of um, Netflix big quote unquote blockbuster films that I've seen anyway. Red Notice is probably um, the best one. I would say like like it it still has it still has some of the same mediocre trappings that the that the rest of them do. This is sort of like um like old uh, old guard. It's kind of like well this is kind of good but still like kind of bland and like Red Notice is sort of like that but because the rock and Ryan Reynolds are so charismatic it manages to sort of like lift itself out um i did like i did uh i watched it for i was on kino lefter and we reviewed red notice and we were both kind of shocked that we kind of actually liked it a little bit um yeah it's i could at the same time i can see why people would not enjoy it as well jeff samsonow says uh some other good ones include the wonder the killer nurse and pray shout out to beasts of no nation and defy bloods on my list to watch. Uh, Kate was as good an action movie on Netflix has made. It was as good an action movie as Netflix has made. Yeah. Now pray isn't a Netflix film. That's a, no, that was a Hulu film. It was a Disney plus. Yeah. Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, maybe it's a different, and maybe it is. Maybe it's a different prey. It's entirely possible, but there's a couple movies called mute. So yeah, Mm. Um, I love this part of Jeff's comment. Uh, good comedies uh, include Always Be My Maybe, Between Two Ferns the Movie, A Stupid and Feudal Gesture, and Eurovision. Uh, I had forgotten about A Stupid and Feudal Gesture. Uh, it is such, it is a great movie. That That's, as a comedy nerd, that's just one that like really uh, gets me going. It was, yeah. it was delightful. Uh, and same with Between Two Ferns, but for different comedy nerd reasons. Yeah, uh, I've seen out. Always Be My Maybe, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, don't often go in for rom-coms, but I found that one quite charming. Nita quite likes Always Be My Maybe as well. It's one of her go-to feel-good films lately. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That and Zack uh, and Miri make a porno, strangely. Huh, interesting. <laughs> Kevin Smith's last good movie? Question mark? <laughs> Uh, Jeff continues to catch a killer was bad and a waste of acting talent and my time got to give the ridiculous six dishonorable mention, even if I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> uh, cool. And that's, uh, that's been, uh, our episode on mute. Lena, thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, where can folks find quantum kickflip or other things you do? Uh, look us up quantumkickflip.com. Uh, we are on all of the streaming podcast podcatchers. Um, yeah, season two is, uh, uh, going strong and we have an entire first season that is a ton of fun. Uh, Quantum Kickflip is my main podcast endeavor. Um, but if you are an Edmonton pal, uh, I am also a part of Liam's sketch group, The Debutantes, uh, and we put on a showcase called Odd Wednesday every month. I am also part of Sorry Not Sorry Improv. 
uh, and we do uh, improvised shenanigans uh, at the Grindstone Theater. Uh, yeah, if uh, I'm just very proud of uh, Quantum Kickflip anytime we can talk about it. Uh, and yeah, this this second season is cyberpunk themed, but both seasons, I've always described it to folks as uh, Doctor Who meets Degrassi meets Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yes, you're so right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. I've had such such a blast with with Quantum Kickflip. Uh, and you can follow us, uh, facebook.com slash I have some notes at I have some notes on X. But most importantly, please, please, please join us on our Discord server. We're having some great chats. We're talking West Ball movies. We're talking <laughs> yes. uh, 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 movie trailers. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can find links to the Discord server uh, by going to I have some notes.com, checking out our link tree. And wherever it is you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, review on your podcast app of choice. Yeah, you, you know, it is important to go check out our Discord, but it's importanter to go and check out our Patreon. Uh, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash I have some notes right now. You can throw us a little bit of monthly financial support so we can keep the lights on around here. And we appreciate everyone who does so. Extra special times. And yay! The, the, the SAG strike is over, which means the limitations on uh, the types of movies we are going to do uh, is lifted. Um, thank you so much to all our listeners for sticking with us while we experimented with the show and, uh, and, and tried to stay in solidarity as much as we could with the, uh, with the striking writers union and, and actors union. But this means we get to get back to reviewing some blockbuster trash. And boy, am I excited <laughs> because first up is going to be the much maligned The Flash with Michael Keaton and that guy who sucks. <laughs> the person who sucks. That person um, who sucks. Yeah, the person's. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that's right. The person who sucks. <laughs> uh, until then, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. That was actually a very clever joke now that I think about it when I was like, let's let them speak for themselves. (laughs) I didn't mean it to be, but I'm pleased. Liam. (laughs) Like every other review for this movie was like, uh, Mute is a movie that doesn't have much to say. And it's like, oh, you all (laughs) thought of this by yourself, did you? (laughs) Every, Every other critic 